0: Welcome to Should I Get Bangs? I'm your host Julie Rosi, and today's guest is uh, a fantastic friend. She has been on Conan, Comedy Central. She's been in movies, and she's just a delight. Please welcome
1: Jenny Zagrina.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was such a a, a sexy pause. Yeah, <laughs> Jenny, how are you?
1: I'm I'm good. I'm on the road currently. I'm uh, in my um cousin's son's bedroom doing this podcast. Great. Yeah.
0: People don't realize how glamorous stand up is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's really glamorous. <laughs> um I was earlier I was in uh uh Colorado Springs visiting family. Uh, cuz I'm I'm doing the Telluride Blues Festival and then I was like, well, all my family lives out here, so I'll just see everybody. Nice. Yeah. So I'm getting getting this the views in. Yeah, Colorado's
0: a delight.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, it's good. And then I'm doing Fort Collins uh, tomorrow, the Comedy Fort. And then I come back for a few days and it's, start all over again.
0: It's funny because before the pandemic, Jenny, myself, and another comedian, Joelle Johnson, went to Europe for two weeks on tour. Yeah. So we spent every waking moment together, slept in the same room, ate together, and then the pandemic happened and we never saw each other again. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. It is funny because it's like when you go on tour with someone, you're basically married for a little bit and then it's like a hard divorce.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're like, bye. It's like being on, on on a movie set. You're like we're best friends forever and then yeah. summer camp and then you got to go home and you're like, I won't see them again till next summer.
0: Well, I didn't know. I mean, you know, I was fine with the notion of like, oh, maybe I won't see you for a few months because life happens. But I didn't know it was going to be a pandemic because when I left Europe, I was like, I'm going to come back next year. Yeah. You think going to Europe. And then it's like, oh, no, you're going to not, not only are you not going to go to Europe, you're not going to leave your house very often.
1: Yeah. You live, you live here now. You live in your home in LA. Yep. And that's it. That's it. Which was um, very, which was really difficult. I think there was this part of me that really wanted the break. And then the part of me that was like, I hate the break. And then the part of me was like grew into the break and was like, now I never want to leave.
0: Never want to leave your house. I know. Yeah. Like I so I am not touring. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I will go out of town if like the money is fantastic, but like I can't just more so because I have a kid. And so I need, I need to really want to leave to leave. I'm also just tired, but yeah, the pandemic like kind of took my love of, oh yeah, I'll just like bop to the city for two days kind of out of me.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. For me, it's, it's like, if I didn't, have to if i had like some other financial means i wouldn't leave (laughs) do you know that's
0: is that really is that kind of like your motivation for touring right now yeah huge thing is like just
1: financial of like i don't yeah i don't have any way to to make money i'm like currently like doing some things to try to be able to supplement my income as like a you know a, a um what is it, a passive income stream so that I can dedicate more time here. But I feel like a huge thing with a lot of the issues I was having with my career was that I had to be gone all the time. Like you okay, can't so cultivate you, a career here if you're gone all the time.
0: So did you feel kind of stuck for a little bit career-wise?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then it's like – it then it becomes like a cycle where like you – aren't making inroads in LA because you're gone all the time. And then you're gone all the time because you're not making any inroads and you need money. Yeah. So, and then, you know, I'd get, I'd get like my managers and agents being like, you need to be here. You need to be here. And I'd be like, but okay, how am I going to make money? Yeah. So, so it was like, you know, it was already, I think, I think, if I look back on it, I would have enjoyed employment more and like not been so worried about it and like kind of planted seeds early. Um, and then once my unemployment left, I was like, oh, I gotta like really think about this.
0: Yeah, that ending of unemployment, I think threw a lot of people for a loop. Yeah. Uh, it was, it felt I felt like when I was on unemployment during the pandemic, I was on, you know. I don't not a, I I was going to say an artist retreat but like I didn't get any art done so I don't even know why. I'm <laughs> saying that but like it did feel nice those few days or whatever where I would try to do something creative during the pandemic and it was like, oh my god, and I'm getting paid. Yeah. And it was delightful, but um well so did during so I know what you're going to you know kind of lead to to talk about. I mean, if you just want to get into it, we can, but I'm just curious if the pandemic and if career stuff affected. Well, why don't why don't you, why don't you So, I dead? went
1: into um uh, eating disorder recovery in October of 20 um, of 2020. Okay? Which had been something that had always kind of been in the back of my mind. My therapist had always pushed me to do it, and then it was like I can't but I'm on the road, you know, like I don't there's no I did like the one that I did was um uh, what's it called? A PHP. So it's like I'm not. It's not residential. It's like a step below residential. Where you're like, is it in, is the it in person? It's in. Per- it was in person. Yeah, but I was there at the clinic seven hours a day, six days a week.
0: Whoa, in LA?
1: Yeah, in Glendale.
0: How how long did this go for?
1: So it was like a month and a half. Was that? And then as you go further, it tapers. So you go like, um, five days a week. And then you start going four hours a day, five days a week. And then it's every other day. And then they discharge you.
0: That's but it's a like time job.
1: It was. And it was like, well, I had the means because I had unemployment. Yeah. Right? Um, so that was kind of nice. And it was, and I was home and I was having enough tiny mini mental breakdowns <laughs> That I was like, okay, I have to just do this because I'm—I don't know what to do. And I remember calling them and being like, "Do you have any beds available?" And they're like, "Well, you know, there's been a really big resurgence
0: oh, of eating disorder." Of Ed, yeah, I
1: mean, like everyone was like losing their minds because Can also, add- okay, oh, oh, well, but there's also like there was rampant fat phobia in, like, of course we already had it to begin with, but then yeah. there was like a another huge amount of it because we were all more sedentary so then everyone was like yeah you know it was like satanic panic but with getting fat during the pandemic
0: oh my i didn't even think of that of like sort of all the the people being like oh i don't want to gain the pandemic 15 or whatever and it was like i can't believe that i mean listen to each his own but i'm like that is truly the last thing
1: oh yeah that was like the last thing on my mind yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was the first thing on my mind, which oh, no. is why I went into
0: therapy. Can I ask? Um, can I ask just to clarify for anyone listening? Because I yeah. think people think eating disorder. You know, there's the there's the top two. Yeah, the top two: the anorexia and the so bulimia. There's,
1: there's the cute one, the anorexia. It's so <laughs> cute. They're so tiny. Um, and then there's like the grotesque bulimic uh, bulimia nervosa, just like, uh, you know, not a, like like uh, I was just like my past I'm open about it. I was, I was bulimic for like 14 years, 15 years from like age 14, 15 to 30. Um, and then I just like stopped when I was 30. I was just like, no, I don't do this anymore, which is weird. I know that's just weird. That's like not how recovery is ever. So I, don't ever happen
0: to me. Either. Did it? I was bulimic for about four years, five years. No, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, about five, six years I was bulimic, and then I just didn't. It well, my body started to react to it. Like I had a lot of acid indigestion, and I was never consistent with the bulimia. It was sort of like I was bulimic-ish. Like I would like. Dabble and then not do it for a while I mean, and
1: that's go back still to it. it. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, like, I know, mean, but, don't but minimize at the time, at the t- well, I minimized it at the time because it wasn't dramatic, you know, like mm-hmm. you see in the movies. And so I ended up going to just like a support group. Like I didn't do a full whatever. But then when the bulimia ended, I still was binging,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: binging kind of continued off and on. For like a good portion of my adulthood until I just sort of, I I guess I would call it intuitive eating, like sort of without even knowing that's what I was doing. I just kind of like naturally, I think I've gone so many extremes.
1: I think, I think maybe in some of you relate to this, you just get exhausted.
0: Yeah. I just like got exhausted of. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I I don't want to say it's as simple as I'm going to make it sound. So I apologize if this sounds insensitive. But there is so much truth to when you learn tools to relax and manage your anxiety or depression or whatever it is, your body will cooperate with you more. I I think at least that's what I've found. And again, it's not as easy as like, cool, I'll just stop being anxious. You know, it's not that easy. But your body isn't going to work with you um, when you are being abusive toward it, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm sorry. I, I felt like I interrupted. No, so no, no, you didn't. It- you
1: didn't. But it's, it's the same thing where it was like, I just one day it was like, it was affecting me. And, and it had been affecting me for a bit. And I just kind of ignored it. Like I remember in college going one time. So I used to do a lot of medical studies to make money. <laughs> Okay. There was one specific where they They checked my heartbeat and they were like you have an Irregular heartbeat and I didn't Really think anything of it I was like oh that's How unique that's so unique But that's a that's a sign Of bulimia is like Irregular heartbeat shit Yeah and then like I started like When I was 30 like I was trying to Sing more and I couldn't sing I couldn't sing without pain I couldn't talk without pain and I was like this is my voice. Like, this is damaging the thing I need the most. Yeah. And so I think there was that thing where the pursuit of comedy in, in my career suddenly became more important, at least in that regard. Right? Yeah. That if I don't have my voice, I don't have my job. Versus looking a certain ways, a whole other ball game because we live in a horrible, horrible place called Los Angeles. And just you know, just in general, social media is an awful thing. Um, but, um, yeah, like I had basically like kind of been maintaining, you know, been like um going in and out of like being very restrictive, um, and but at the same time, I was I was also like, I had a few years ago kind of come to the intuitive eating world, to the fat positivity world, to the, um, you know, that more activism part of being fat and living in a fat body and had been like being more accepting of it, but also kind of like that. Yeah. But I don't want to be where I am. Like if I'll be more accepting and just, if I'm a little smaller.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Where it was like, it's always like a good for them, but not for me.
0: That's how you used to feel or how you currently feel?
1: That's how I used to feel. I think there's still that. There's still definitely that. Like, I'll be honest, I'm taping a special and I'm just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, I'm definitely panicking about how I look right now. So maybe, maybe some unhealthy thought process. But I go to therapy, so it's fine. But But also,
0: I I mean, I I have to say, though, uh, because my my – I've brought up my best friend Maria from home before she just started training with this program called the body positive. Yeah. Um, And it's all about this and like, you know, everything you're talking about. And she taught like a mini workshop on it to a few friends just to kind of practice. Yeah. And it's really hard to erase what you have been taught since like you entered the world. Cause like, you know, when I was a, a kid obviously, you know, no one no one was saying anything to me when I was like 3, you know, like that's I yeah. mean, I guess some people do have that. But like even if it wasn't anyone saying stuff to me or me learning, I was still around like my mom or aunts or just women on television or whatever yeah. complaining about their bodies. And it's yeah. like it's so ingrained in you, so like it sounds like it's almost like you know better, right?
1: Yeah. Well, like- I know better. But it's also like the promises are still there and I have been smaller and I do I do know notice a difference. There's and then compound that with aging. Yeah. So like I'm in a body that's changing in many ways and I just think that like I couldn't I just like couldn't handle it then you're yeah. home all the time and also too we're on zoom and i think that this is for you know unique for us and not even unique for us it's unique for everyone in the world now is like we went through a year of just looking at our faces yeah. constantly yeah.
0: i have a job right now that's on zoom from home mm-hmm. uh and and then it, when when it, this it's like a online project and and then i'm going to be talking to a teleprompter from home so it's my face four or five hours a day. Yeah. And, and I have, it's taken a while for me to like my face, you know, cause I am yeah. a human and a woman. And man, <laughs> this is a uh, gosh, I was noticing a lot of things on my face today at work. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's, in, it's not normal to look at your face for that many hours.
1: No, it's like, like, all it would be is if 70 years ago, people just looked in the mirror for five hours.
0: Yeah, that's like, that's a wild a concept. <laughs> like talking in the mirror to yourself. The only <laughs> yeah. time I've ever really one time I I was back in the early 2000s, I was on ecstasy my roommate who I had done it with went to sleep and I was like awake and like fucked up still. And they always say like, don't go to the mirror when you're like tripping. But I did. Yes. And it was, it was a whole journey of like hating myself, loving myself, seeing myself. Like it was like, oh, yeah. you know, it was a lot of things, but um, I've done that on
1: mushrooms.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: naked in front of a mirror being like, yeah. who are you? Do I love you? I love you. you so well, one great. Of the,
0: one of the things I've always, what I struggle with, and this is I, I think this is speaking to what you're saying as far as the like, oh, you know, you you accept it, but you're like, thinking about your special. So I'm having a hard time, and this is my own journey to figure it out is, is there anything wrong with wanting to perhaps feel stronger or or look like I, I I'm confused, right? Because to well, go one direction, like I hate myself no matter what doesn't feel good. But I also don't know if the other, the other feels kind of extreme too of mm-hmm. like, I, I guess no one's shoving a pie in my face every I don't really know what I'm trying to say,
1: but is like. The, it, are, are you trying to say, is this still the pursuit of weight loss bad or like, you know, even if you are quote unquote in body positive, like, is, yeah. is wanting to lose weight still, does that put you in the realm of body positivity?
0: Yeah, or not even so much losing weight, but like working out and and I I, I guess it's so fucking complex. I don't even know how so, to verbalize my question.
1: So here, here are things that I would ask you, okay, yeah. on this journey and there are things I have to ask myself. Would you do the action if there was no change?
0: If there was no result.
1: If there was no result. So let's say would you go to the gym and pump iron if you knew that you wouldn't lose weight and you wouldn't your body wouldn't change?
0: Can the change be feeling stronger?
1: Well, like you won't see any physical strength changes, right? So like
0: I think I right now I'm doing a twice-a week boot camp. Yeah. And I love how I feel after. And I think this is one of the first times in my life. Mm-hmm. That how I feel is having a bigger impact focus on me than how I look.
1: Then I think that that is, that's an important aspect of it. Where like, if you are like, I hate doing this thing, but I see muscles or whatever. And that strokes my vanity of like, you know, being stronger than uh, other people. That's one thing versus like you know, if I went and biked every day for an hour, but there would be no change in my body at all, would I still do it? Yeah. Because I like biking. I like yeah. hiking. I like being outdoors and yeah, my body's not going to change, but I feel good Yeah, afterwards. And I think that is like, that's the question to ask yourself is like, is it sneakily diet culture or is it really just me wanting to feel good?
0: But then my, my question to that, and again, I don't know that you know the answer anyone does, yeah. but is there anything wrong with liking – like, what? so when I see a muscle, to me, it's a symbol of feeling strong.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. I don't know. I, here's I don't my th- know. Here's my thought on that. So seeing a muscle – So a muscle you have to build, right? But that muscle will go away if you stop working out. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you stop doing that action, would you be bothered by the way your body looked afterwards? Or like, is it a place of neutrality? That's kind of like where body positivity is difficult because it is this idea that you have to walk into it being positive and saying I love myself, which is when you go from a, a state of hating yourself for so long, saying I love myself is a lot And it's very unrealistic. Coming to a place of neutrality where you don't care what happens either way Mm. is really the best place to come at it, right?
0: That's a really good way to put it.
1: So yeah. So like it's like in recovery, which also by the way, I was there for binge eating. So I haven't been believing for a while, but it was binge.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Can can I can I back it up not to have you lose your thought, but well, yeah, yeah. I also want to hear what made you what led to it.
1: Well, yeah, let me finish this thought. Is that one of the the cons one of the big concepts there was body neutrality. Because especially for a lot of, it was a lot of young people, like a lot of 18, 19 year old girls who were in the refeeding process, who, you know, it was difficult being the only large bodied person in there and then like have them say during group therapy, how they do not want to look like me and how it's like the worst thing. They'll kill themselves if they look like me. So that's a bummer. But And you had to be in a group with these people saying that? yeah. Yeah, I couldn't just, like, leave. I couldn't be like, I don't want want to be in this. They'd be like, it's good. Did they acknowledge that
0: you were there?
1: I had three times a week I had a specific group that was for, like, um, uh, people with, like, BDE. Or BED, binge eating disorder. And they were larger bodied people. But it was, like, online. It was different. And, you know... I would still have to like go to the group therapy and like listen to it. And it's also like those places are weird because everyone is like really sad. No one really wants to be there. And they're trying like these therapists are trying their hardest to like get these kids to like get on board. So you're just like, it's just like the weirdest place where no one's answering. Like the therapist will ask a question. No one's answering. Everyone looks too tired and sad. You know, it's like – because it is just like a lot of these girls and kids are are in state of like they just got out of 2 months of residential and now they're having to like refeed themselves and they're just in panic mode all the time as they see their bodies changing and gaining weight. Yeah, and it's and- really weird. It's a very weird place to be. But um yeah. But like to to the point of like of what I was saying beforehand is like, um, hold on a second. My mom has called me like twice. (laughs) Let me just make sure. Oh no. I don't know what that is. That is not a, that is not anything. You know, it's like neutrality is the most you can kind of hope for because it's like, it at least lets you move through the day. Yeah. Whereas like, hating yourself is, is going to stop you from moving in any way. Like, just moving through life. And then body love is so, like, far away from what most of us have been taught or can even achieve. And body positivity has been co-opted in such a fucked out fashion by, you know, it's okay to, like, be skinny and body positive, which is, like, fine but also this movement wasn't made for you like this movement was made for larger bodied marginalized people
0: and it's like so yeah like my my friend who who trains through it's called like the body positive so that's an organization it's Mm -hmm. not the same as hashtag body positive because the thing with hashtag body like listen and this is not to say that every like hashtags are a marketing tool you know what i mean and like of course sometimes what you're marketing is your message and you want to reach out to people and you want to connect with people and that's totally fine like i hashtag this podcast mental health because it is a mental health podcast like, i'm not like trying to be sneaky but yes you're right like there is i, I I, I, and maybe this is just me being an old woman, but, like, I find sometimes I go online and I'm, like, sometimes it feels like genuine body positivity, and sometimes it feels like an excuse to get a hot pickup. And is there anything wrong with that? No. It's just, like, a lot. It's just a lot. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's, like, you know if you want body neutrality or or neutral feelings about it, the internet isn't always the best place to go to find neutrality because what gets rewarded online is extremes.
1: Yes. And I think, I think too is when Weight Watchers uses body positivity in their ad campaign, it's, it's turned into, it's turned into bullshit. And use was what Weight Watchers uses body positivity in their marketing shit
0: as you're obsessively counting points. Yeah.
1: It's wellness. Wellness is also just so everyone knows wellness is diet culture, just, you know, fancy fancified to make you feel elite. That's it. And that's also too, is like diet culture. is So like white elitist, everyone, everyone should read um, fear of the black body, um, which is talks about uh, our fat phobia is rooted in racism.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I learned that this year. Yes.
1: Um, And it's really, it's very interesting, but I think that like, what bothers me about the body positivity movement is that it was very much co-opted by people who, who I understand that we all, because of the soup we swim in the soup because of the water, I love soup because of the water (laughs) we're swimming in, we all have self hate, right? We all don't like ourselves because that's the only way to get you to buy shit. Yes. But someone who has lived in a thin body does not know what it's like to live in a larger body and the stigmas and the marginalization and the fat phobia and just the daily struggles of being a larger body. And for them to say like, well, I don't like myself. People say that like I should eat more. It's like it's insulting to me to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, no one's ever – denied you a job and said that you were too small to do the job you know like no one's no doctor looks at you and goes um you know you go in for like a a, a broken arm and they're like well you should go on a diet do you know what I mean? is, like, th-
0: yeah the stories of that are yeah. every person
1: it's every like larger body person has it i mean i had one where like I went in, I had. A, I have a half a thyroid and it took them years to like actually get it because they just kept telling me to go on a diet. And I kept you had me, a please look at my thyroid. I have half a thyroid.
0: Did you have a job, deny you and say it was because of your size?
1: I mean, if you want to talk about acting.
0: Like in general,
1: that. as like a, an actress. Yeah. Like do you get denied roles all the time because you're fat? Do you or feel like, like it's getting just, better though? Um it is getting better but not it is uh, it's like it is i think that it's getting better in a way unfortunately Shrill got canceled which sucks but like when there is a fat character their storyline is about them being in that body right there's never just like people being fat living a regular life it's always like about their body um and i think that the guy like- Unless it's, a guy. Unless it's a guy, no one gives a shit. Yeah. But then there's also like you know there's like this concept of like you can only have like w- so much body diversity on a show before people just don't want to watch. They actually like they have so many studies about people, you know, because of because of our media, people just don't want to look at fat bodies.
0: Well, it kind of reminds me of you remember those? Uh, I don't know if they're still on. I think it's an insurance commercial where they have the normal version of the person talking to the actor version of them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. There was this like commercial campaign. I think it was an insurance commercial where like, let's say I, I would probably play the normal person. And then I was on the phone with who would play me as an actor. And so it's kind of showing you like, I don't really know what the point was. I think it was supposed to be funny that like you see like the, yeah, movie version of you but you know that is like across the board such a mindfuck of like what I mean people still I think associate television and movies with glamour and like uh it's supposed to be people that we can't that we aspire to be or whatever I mean I do think I've been I do this joke sometimes it's not really a joke it's more of an aside of like how you know, I'm hearing you talk about the teens that were in the program. And I almost feel bad because I sometimes make fun of the youth and I'm envious of how much hashtag self-esteem they have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have this new joke about kind of talking about like the role models that the young, that Gen Z have. Yeah, so frustrating.
0: and, And it is, it is good to be reminded that doesn't matter how many hashtags or role models they have, there's still going to be girls in an eating disorder group because it's part of the culture and it's ingrained. But yeah. I I do find it so interesting that like, at least, you know, now the youth can find a, you know, non-binary, you know, uniquely looking larger sized, you know, they can literally find whatever they connect to. Whereas like, us you know kids of like the 90s or the 80s or whatever it was just like uh here's 90210 yeah uh this is what a blonde because like i this is not the same thing at all but i even had it with not just bodies but like blonde hair like i grew up being like well blonde fair-skinned women are beautiful and dark-haired hairy oafs like me will never have a boyfriend like that's yeah. how i felt
1: yeah it's like it's <laughs> it's good to see i wonder though how long it's going to last i wonder how it's cuz it does feel very tokeny of the time yeah. also too being fat goes through every marginalized community is shit upon so it's like yeah. it's that weird thing where like you can be marginalized but as long as you're not the fat version of that, then you're okay, you know. Fucked up, and it is really fucked up. And it's like, you know, I, I listen. I do listen to like a lot of podcasts where like they have like fat trans people t- uh, talking, you know, fat minorities, and they talk about it's like, it's the it's like the next, it's like another thing added onto their list of like shitty of shitty things of like not only am I you know have to deal with a trans being trans in the world, but I have to deal with being fat and trans in the world, and like that's its own thing and it's just like this it's so pervasive in our culture about like how being in a larger body is so bad and and the science behind it is just it's if people actually looked at the science you know here's the thing though is when you tell people the truth they double down so it wouldn't matter (laughs) i could give people a million studies on like you know on a you know, baldness has the same, um, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, like you have as much, uh, fuck. Why can't I think of the word right now? Sorry, I'm have, I have, like altitude sickness. My I've had a headache this whole time. <laughs> but like, being bald gives you just as much chance as getting cancer as being fat, because really, correlation does not correlation does not mean causation, right? Wait, like, but is there a fat,
0: correlation between.
1: Baldness? They have they you could you could make the studies look like there is a like there that there is a correlation. Oh, I see what you're saying between baldness and and cancer as much as like being fat and cancer. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yep. Same with like with and now they're finding that it's like everyone's like you're fat and you're going to get diabetes. It's like no, it's the act of actually yo-yo dieting because your body and its insulin it can't handle all that and diets. of the time will fail. They just, they've known that since the 50s that 95% of diets will fail. So you're, you are doing the thing that, like, there, I read this, okay, I read this study. It was like a medical journal study that said that um, weight loss, like uh, dieting causes you, it gives you a higher probability of getting diabetes. Like, flat out, was like, dieting is, is gonna probably give you diabetes. And okay. then the same breath said, but if you're obese, you should diet. I mean, like, how... what is that? That's... That is the level of like fat phobia that's ingrained in us when scientists, because they are people, right? Don't like fat people so much that they will see the evidence that, like, oh, it's the dieting that's causing all these health issues. But if people are fat, they should still diet, right? Right. Yeah, of course.
0: Well, it feels very lazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's sort of like the equivalent of going to the school nurse and you being like, "I don't know, I, I'm, I have diarrhea," and there's like, "Here's a band aid." You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that's. And I'm not shitting on school nurses. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> when somebody doesn't know the answer, it feels very lazy. It's like a doctor being like, "Oh, well, what's the easiest thing I can see?" Yeah. Well, it's your weight. You know what I mean? Because it's going to take work for them to do to to dig beyond just what they physically see.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, and that's and that's like that's the thing is like you can't. They're like skinny people also have health problems. Thin people also get cancer. But when a thin person goes to the doctor and is like, "I have a pain," they will they will react. And then as a fat person, you say, "I have a pain," they. They don't think you're going to follow their orders, right? Because they always say diet and no one does, right? Because it's impossible. So they think that like fat people are harder to work with. They actually tend to be very um, dismissive of fat Mm -hmm. people. Like they get treated differently. So then no one goes to the doctor and then people are like, well, all these fat people are dying. And you're like, well, maybe they're not going to the doctor when they actually have a health problem because the doctor doesn't feel it's not a good place for a fat person. Yeah. It's like all these things. And this is, again, it's nothing to do with the recovery. It's just like all this shit that you learn. And then you feel, and then you feel like you're the emperor's new clothes. You feel like I feel all the time. And I try to do this stuff in my standup. But I feel like I am the kid being like the emperor has no clothes. And everyone yeah. is like, yeah, he does. And I'm like, he doesn't. Here's a list of all the reasons why he doesn't. And they go, yeah, but you're fat, so we can't trust you.
0: Do you think? Well, so let me ask you this: Is so okay? So you you were bulimic, and then so what led you to um, going to recovery now? So were you finding yourself going um, through a strong binge cycle? I was during binging the a lot.
1: I was okay. binging a and lot, and did that
0: come in waves throughout your life? It came
1: in waves. It's always been like coming in through waves. But being home, it was like getting way worse. I was gaining weight. Like I could feel it in my clothes. Um, so I was just feeling worse. And I actually had this, what it was is I was, had a day where like I got everything done that I wanted to do. And I was hungry and I was like, I'm going to have some tater tots. Like intuitive eating, my, my body wants some tater tots, let's do it. And I had some and there was a voice that's like, you're such a piece of shit. And so then what I used to do in my binging days is I would time, I would give myself a half an hour and see what fast food restaurants I could hit up in that fast, in that half hour and see how many I could do. And get a bunch So of I made food. it fun. I turned it into a game. I gamified my eating disorder. Yeah. And so then I had one of those. And I just remember like, you know, the urge to, to, Purge was so strong. I just remember like crying on my floor and being like, I want to die. Oh, and are alone? I was alone. Yeah. Like I wanted to die. I wanted to like, I, and then, you know, on top of that, I had no, no achievements in my career. There was nothing to look forward to. And I think, like, I'm so career-based. Yeah. And so I just finally was like, I got to, like, I don't know what to do. So I called um, Center for Discovery. And then I ended up getting into the Glendale program, like, a few days later. Um, yeah. And then it was just, like, I mean, it was really – it was good to go. It was good to just, like, balance yourself. Um. You know, we definitely had, like – We all had to eat together and like prepare meals together, which I did not like. And then.
0: And there was no like diet aspect
1: of it, right? No, it was just like, it's taco night. We're okay. For lunch, we're having sandwiches. And so you had to eat. You had to also like, you know, you have to have your protein and your starch and your fat. And like, you know, someone would check your plate and you would have a lot of time to eat. And you know, then if you finished really fast, you just had to sit there. See, which that sucked. to
0: me, I know these are professionals, but see, that to me would start stressing me out.
1: It did, but I understand they care more about the smaller people being refed and like teaching them than they do about the larger bodied people. Like, if it was my choice, the binge people would be completely separate we wouldn't have any interaction with the anorexic people.
0: Yeah. That makes sense to me. Cause it's a completely different it, you know, it all, the root of all of it, right. Is, is stress and self self hate and, you know, well, coping,
1: it's con- coping I mean, with. It's control. It's yeah. definitely like a control thing. It's, you know, it is, I think more so for the anorexics, it's like a control thing. And then I think for, binge it does tend to be more an emotional coping mechanism
0: but it does feel like the root cause is similar but these the symptom you know which is whether you are restricting or binging Mm is different and so to put it together like I I was trying to think of an analogy with like another illness but I don't even know what that would be like it's like if you had an illness that you know made some people not walk but other people blind would you put them in the same rehab like you know what i mean like yeah. teaching them different skills
1: yeah and it's like some of the sk- the skills were you know dbt skills which are mm-hmm. just like you know cuz a lot of us have black and white thinking so trying to like find gray in a lot of our thinking um you know the therapies were fine. It was just like, you know, you're in with a new person. I went to therapy like twice a day or twice a week. Um, and the person was younger than me, which I was like, this feels so weird. So it was just like, for me, I may not have gotten the most out of it, but I did get a reset. I got a reset and I got, I've got some control over my feelings and over like a more routine in my day because when I just been home for months with no routine. So that was good.
0: If anyone is listening that struggles with binge eating disorder, I mean, I guess you can't, you know, not all programs are the same, but would you recommend a program like you did, but perhaps one that is a little separated?
1: Yeah, I would. I would recommend definitely, definitely going in person. Uh, Cause then we did in the mid in January switch to online because we had that huge surge, and it's like nothing got done. I just would fucking mute my Zoom and like work yeah. and like work on shit. I didn't care. Um, and part of recovery is having people with you that get it, especially yeah. especially being fat, having a system of people who get it who understand what it's like because it is really. It is like, I don't want to make comparisons, but it is a very unique struggle that that everyone that's been marginalized can also relate to, but then also only fat people understand, I guess is the best way mm. to put it. It's like, I have uniquely fat person experiences that no one else is going to understand. Yeah. So being with other fat people, helps a lot versus having to main, like just, you know, you're still, cause when, when I was with the smaller people, I'm still catering to them and their sad feelings about possibly getting fat.
0: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. you know, when I, I, I think it's the same thing, but it might not be. But when I was in this uh, support group, it was some of the people were bulimic and some people were bulimic and anorexic Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I found myself minimizing some of my struggle because at least I was eating and there was almost like a I don't know like the anorexic bulimic people seemed sadder because they were like hungrier (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not I'm not making fun of it, but like I was literally having my cake and eating it too, like literally. Yeah. Uh and they weren't having any cake. And yeah. so I would find myself almost like feeling bad, like talking about what I ate, even though I vomited it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I still like you could like see, like you know, on um, do you ever see like on Bugs Bunny when the two these two like guys were on an island and one is they're hungry and one is turning into like a hot dog yeah. and one is turning into a hamburger. That's how I felt sometimes when I would t- I'd be like, you Yeah, and then I had a pizza. Yeah. And they were like, um, what's a pizza? You know, and <laughs> it just and it broke my heart. And I felt so bad for the fact that they weren't eating that I yeah. would like talk less because yeah. I didn't want to
1: like brag. Well, that's why that's why I think like I think for something like this, it's like, put it like, okay, like you wouldn't put an alcoholic and a meth addict in the same
0: Yeah, even though it's both necessarily. addiction. That, that's They're both great addiction, But
1: it's also very different. How they got there is different. Their yep. experience how it is different. Like yeah. a casual alcoholic who's like, I just drink too much versus someone who's like, I used to sell my body for meth. It's like, it's a different experience completely. Yeah. And I just feel like you know, that, that was definitely lacking in the program. But, you know, I think if someone is, is like coming to, I think what happened is you just kind of get exhausted about thinking about food all the time and thinking about your body. You just get exhausted and you're like, there's gotta be another way. Like, I can't, like, I physically cannot diet now. I just can't. My body's just like, we're not doing this. You know, if I'm like one day, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna like, try to not eat carbohydrates today. My body's like, fuck this. Fuck this. Fuck it all day. And
0: that's a good thing, yeah.
1: It's a good thing. It's like a basically your body's like, I'm done. But what I would do is like I would definitely do exploration and like in like looking into like fat positivity and fat activism, not body positivity, because you're just gonna find different more supportive to like what you are going through and what, what your thoughts are and to like the actual correct science. Like everyone should check out Lindo Bacon. Um They uh Lindo Bacon. website Lindo Bacon. So um they have a bunch of material on like, you know, kind of basically like uh, the, like the real science of like fat and stuff because the signs that we have, you know, usually it's funded by diet companies or um, they like. Oh my god! If you look, if you look at the money to where these studies come from, yeah. it always leads to like a diet company I, or I, like. I mean, if you think about like um, the in the nineteen nineties, the BMI changed overnight. So, like, oh yeah, it's all. It all changed. Like BMI is garbage, anyways. But the the standard for what being obese was and being like overweight changed by two points overnight because some diet companies like are on the board of like who decides. Do you know what I mean? So it's like all.
0: I I don't even know why I just had a flashback to this, but I just remember. Uh, I think I took remember Hydroxycut. Yeah, I took hydroxy. I don't know if it, yeah, I don't know if it exists anymore. No, cuz it kills I, you. It gives you a Yeah, heart I think I took it for like I think it was only like a
1: week or two. It used to have ephedra in it.
0: Yeah, and I remember like I remember being at the gym so clearly sitting down and thinking I was having a heart attack, being like, "I don't know what it is."
1: Yeah. What could, no, I was What can it be?
0: Oh, you're 14? Shit. 14 I was like and my personal trainer
1: put me on it. What the Fuck. Yeah. And like also too, I always think about if people just like left me alone and left my body alone because when you do all this dieting and stuff, your body will – will uh, put it puts on more weight. Like they're always like if you yo-yo dieting, you'd lose weight and then you put on more. It's because your body's like we're dying. We can't let this happen again. So it puts on more weight and then your baseline is now changed forever. Mm. And it's really hard to change it back to whatever it was. So I don't know what my baseline would have been. People just like left me alone. Yeah. You know? And so like, I would just say like, if people are want, are ready to do this journey, it's a, it's a shitty journey to do because it is a journey of like being ostracized by society and by your friends and by your family um, who like don't understand it and think you're crazy for like not wanting to diet anymore. Or like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, and there are times when I have to walk away from like conversations with friends. Cause I just, it's, it's such nonsense. Because
0: they're talking about dieting. I'm
1: talking about dieting and it's just like, it's such nonsense. So yeah. it's a
0: journey. It's that's hard like, that's, to get away from.
1: It's really hard. And I mean, in comedy, oh my God. Like I, sometimes I have to follow like other women who just do the most fat shaming material ever. And they're always really small. They're always in like very small bodies talking about like how they don't want to get disgusting and fat. And then I have to go on and be like, hey, hello, everybody. Uh, like it happens. And I used to do a lot of fat phobic material too. Like I used to. And then I just, you know, I learned more. I mean, and I think sound,
0: it's. I mean, I know you're on this journey and you'll probably be on this journey for, forever. Forever. Um, But you sound very clear and you do sound
1: neutral. I'm, I'm at, I'm more angry. I'm angry Mm -hmm. is, and I'm at the angry part of recovery, which I think a lot of people go through is you get angry because you get mad at, you get mad at like the time you've lost. You get mad at like what could have been. And then you get mad that like the promise of what weight loss was going to bring me isn't real. Ah. And that's the bummer is like the promise of like this great life. It's not, it's never going to happen unless I want to like go back and like really disordered eating.
0: But isn't that, so, but you know what? Unfortunately, I feel like that is the truth for so many things. Cause like. I think a lot of us have gone through phases of, well, if only, if only I was this, if only I lost this amount of weight, I'd be happy. If only Mm -hmm. I booked this job, I'd be happy. If only like this person liked me, I'd be like, there's always this, if only and again, there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to have a relationship or wanting to have career goals or whatever it is, or, but the, if only Mm -hmm. is, it, it without fail maybe not immediately it is always a colossal disappointment it yeah. is always like because then you just want more and then it's never enough and it puts you in this cycle of like well because there's always going to be more to have and that you know what is it that that yeah. that's capitalism that's that's this you know never-ending cycle and it it's true it's like the if only is I hear you like I when I find myself because I used to find comfort in counting calories and fat because I numbers soothe me. It makes you feel Mm -hmm. in control. And like. I, I remember when I er erased that habit or, or, uh, you know, as much as possible, I like missed it. Like I remember I missed bulimia. I missed all I missed those things because they were like my security blanket and well, then, like, yeah, and yeah. keep you miserable.
1: I think the thing that people don't really think about is those things are really comforting. And especially for me, the act of throwing up into a toilet erased all my anxiety oh, in one yeah. loop. It was just gone. Oh. And I didn't feel bad about what I ate. Yep. I felt satisfied.
0: My body I felt, felt good. good.
1: My body felt good. I was like, oh, I got rid of the, the, the sin.
0: It was like taking a big And then big
1: gone. Yeah. And it's gone. Out of your
0: mouth. Yeah. It was a mouth poop. <laughs> it was a mouth poop. My but teeth then, were like rotting.
1: Yeah. No. I'm, I had loads of problems. I, to, to this day, like I have to see a pelvic floor specialist because I a fucked pel- up my pelvic floor. Really? From all, from just like the pressure of like, <gasps> oh, fuck, yeah. And my, I remember my, my therapist was like, she's like, oh, you used to be bulimic? This is really exciting. <laughs> and I was like, why? She's like, well, I've always wanted to work with someone with an eating disorder to explore this. And it's like, yeah, it's like legit. My pelvic floor is so tight from years of that. Years of also sucking into, which a lot of women do. Oh, sucking all yes. the time,
0: and it—it's so bad. I just learned recently that sucking in is really bad for your digestive system.
1: Yeah, and you don't breathe. Like you breathe from your stomach, and we're all just like chest breathers, <laughs> just stressed out, pissing when we cough, chest breather.
0: We cough. I piss when we cough. I cough now. I got. I guess it's that, but also having a baby will make you piss when you cough or sneeze. Yeah, I think so. Jesus Christ! <laughs> when I sneeze, I'm like, uh oh, gotta change my pants. <laughs> it's really upsetting. You should
1: go see a pelvic floor specialist. About I
0: guess it. I should. Well, it's like what I mean. We should probably wrap up. Like, it just makes me think. It's like, like, what is the point of this quote unquote? perfect looking body if it's
1: completely broken but well the good thing is that it doesn't exist so you'll keep buying things you keep buying things and you keep the same diets get recycled keto is atkins intermittent fasting Uh, is you know the same as glamorized
0: anorexia
1: yeah it's just starvation
0: i i have to share this i shared this online and i just want to share it real quick um I got, and I'm sure you get these too. Like I got one of those emails that was like, we're a big fan of the content you post on Instagram. I'm like, you're not, this. that's not true because they sent it to an email address for a video project I stopped doing 10 years ago. It yeah. doesn't even have an Instagram. So I don't even know who they were reaching out to. And they were like, we want to send you a tub of our supplement, not a bottle, a tub. And we want you to take photos with it and let people know that it made you feel happier and healthier how much would this truck cost. Oh my god. And I want to write back and say something fucked up because I'm just like, oh, like people say yes and then they write these long posts that are like, this pill changed my life. It helped me lose all this weight and now I'm perfect and beautiful and I have don't have cancer and my ment- my depression disappeared and it's like it's all fucking sales. Like that's not to say that like you know i'm i'm not i'm not shitting on all wellness and all whatever but like, you
1: should shit on all wellness 100% think <laughs> you should shit on all wellness to
0: have like to ask me to lie and say a product i've never taken or heard of made me not only healthier but happier like how can a capsule i mean i guess my zoloft makes me happier but like you know what i mean like a pill Doesn't make you happier. My Zoloft makes me happier with therapy and with lifestyle change. You know, it's, I I don't know. It's just, it it was such a fucking reminder of like, if I'm getting emails like this and like, I am, you know, an average comedian with like an average comedians following. I can't even imagine the emails that like legit influencers in the big hat in the field with the pumpkins are getting on a daily basis being like, if you drink this tea, You'll find a husband, you know, and it's so dangerous. And I just want people to remember that. Like when you're, when you're scrolling, uh, it's all fucking business. Yeah. It's
1: all business. Yeah. It's all. And I think that's, that's one thing that I think we need to tell, especially the young people. It's all fake. It's all to get you to buy stuff. All of it. Don't fall for any. All of
0: it. it. It's all, All all my posts are just to get you to listen to this pod. Yeah, it's all to, to sell. To buy that's my fun. thoughts. To buy th- these thoughts are free. So <laughs> free thoughts. Free thoughts. No uh, Jenny, this was absolutely delightful. Um Sorry,
1: I feel like it was more serious than I wanted it to be, but it's
0: fine. but this is fine. that that's what I love about this show. Is I, I tend to have I've had a couple non-comedians on, but I usually have comedians on just because I know that there can be Some lightness to it but I also think it's important for people to hear comedians talk about stuff that's not always fucking funny I mean you know you can only do so many
1: bits (laughs) it's so funny I've been trying so hard to do eating disorder material and I know it's there but people aren't ready. people literally aren't ready for it because they're like warming up to it but we just live in a society that's just like is like, yeah, but fat people are bad.
0: Oh, yeah. I what do you I mean? I, I do like an aside joke sometimes. Nobody laughs at it, but I keep doing it where I'm like, yeah, I used to be bulimic. Sorry to bring it up. And I like kind of do a little like shoulder <laughs> shimmy to indicate like, that's a joke. Time to laugh. And it's always like one lady who is, you know, probably an eating disorder recovery it. being like, hell yeah, girl throw it Oh, but then everyone else yeah. is like i paid 50 dollars. it's a saturday <laughs> night i got a babysitter i'm drinking and this sad bitch is on stage talking about her yeah. disorder oh like we want to are... hear about dicks um, they tried
1: it i tried it the other day and they were just i was like nope nothing okay yeah but, well yeah i mean eventually let people will be ready but it's like you know you also it's so funny it's like you can just tell people all day and all day all day and all night what the actual facts are, the science, all that shit. But until people can erase the fact that they think that being fat is bad, none of it will make sense.
0: But I think it's unfortunately, I mean, not all things, all you can do is offer the story and the information and try to do so in the most creative, relatable way as possible. And people will hear it when and if they're ready. It's sort of like most things, like whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, being discriminatory against something or a political view or uh, whatever it is. Like most people, unfortunately, I don't think really change until something personally affects them. And it's not because they're bad people, but it's just hard to relate. It's like, it's it's why people say things like, well, until I had a gay son, I didn't know gay people were okay. And (laughs) it's like, you can hate that guy as much as you want, But if he's like an eighty-year-old dude who doesn't have friends who are, you know what I mean? Like, of course, it's going to be his son that opens up his world because he loves his son. You know, so I'm, I'm, you know, in an ideal world, only Jenny and I's comedy would change the world. In an ideal world, Jenny and I would change the world with our eating disorder material.
1: Yeah, but you know, one day we'll do a we'll do a tour.
0: We'll do a tour We'll be like I the like comedy Sometimes I cry and puke <laughs> um, Jenny uh, This was yeah. so wonderful uh, Is there <laughs> anything You, you want to plug On your- uh, November
1: 14th Brooklyn Shooting my special Tickets yes. are free Part you of the New York donate, Comedy Festival right. You can donate On GoFundMe You can also uh, Go to my OnlyFans And look at pictures Of my butt And donate there <laughs>
0: um and uh, it's so great and last but not I least i ask every guest this very important question should i get bangs
1: i love bangs i need to go recut my bangs
0: you look so good with them
1: thank you but you also you have a great forehead and you've okay, got really that strong really eyebrows i gotta get them done yeah me too but you've got great eyebrows you just oh, gotta I get them like good. to where it's like just a little bit above them but not Turf <laughs> talking Not about your body
0: stars. changing. Turf. I have uh, I have it filled in right now, but I now have a bald spot across one of my eyebrows. <gasps> oh my god,
1: yeah, it's from pregnancy.
0: The struggle is real.
1: I get Botox here. I mean, I have to go get it again. You oh didn't Botox? Right, it's and gonna, you, we're you gonna go down covering it. Um, no, I like it. You know what, too? It just I stopped frowning and that kind of like. Makes me feel better endorphins wise because I'm not frowning all the time.
0: My God, that's so cute and insane. I love it. Jenny, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love Jenny. Uh, love talking to her. If you want to support her special that she is producing um, in November, you can go to her GoFundMe. I'll put a link. I believe it's GoFundMe. I'll put a link to her her. Crowdsourcing uh, project in the notes of this podcast, um, and also just two other quick resources um, that I want to mention. I believe I've mentioned these before on the show: thebodypositive.org and intuitiveeating.org. Both of those are a good place to start if you're interested in some of the stuff that Jenny and I were talking about. And it's a, you know, it's a complex issue. It's you know with a lot of the stuff that I feel like we've covered on the show, uh, they're very layered things, uh, very personal things, people's personal experiences come into play, you know, years of education and miseducation and all that stuff. So, you know, if you listen to an episode like this or, or any of the episodes, you know, about any array of issues that come up and it doesn't resonate with you, um, that's Okay you know, we all have different experiences. My goal is to just, you know, bring light and and share different people's experiences and hope that, you know, some of you relate. And even if you don't relate with the issue, uh, I hope you can relate to the feelings because isn't that what life's all about, right? We're just, we all have different experiences, but the feelings, we all feel the feel. We all feel the same. We all feel the feel. We all feel, same feelings, you know, just from different experiences. Um, yeah, that's it. You know what I'm about to say. I'm about to say, if you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, all the places, uh, wherever, wherever you can give me the most stars, and say a nice thing in the comments. I will. I will be so grateful. Um, and I'm grateful for you.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I will talk to you next week.